Our sermons this summer have been taken from the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Today we're reading from Zechariah chapter 8. It's a chapter filled with promises of God for his people. And the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. And the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Now hear these words. Let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. This is also what the prophets said who were present when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. Before that time, there were no wages for people or hire for animals. No one could go about their business safely because of their enemies, since I had turned everyone against their neighbor. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as I did in the past, declares the Lord Almighty. The seed will grow well, the vine will yield its fruit, the ground will produce its crops, and the harvest will drop their dew. I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. Just as you, Judah and Israel, have been a curse among the nations, so I will save you and you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid, but let your hands be strong. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Just as I had determined to bring disaster on you and showed no pity when your ancestors angered me, says the Lord Almighty, so now I have determined to do good again to Jerusalem and Judah. Do not be afraid. These are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other. And render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other. Do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this, declares the Lord Almighty. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions and happy festivals for Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat Him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you, because we have heard that God is with you. This is God's word. Friends of Jesus, there's a new phrase that I picked up on since we moved to Oklahoma a few years ago. It's a phrase that I don't know that I ever really hear, heard used in, in other states, but I see it on, on pickup trucks, I see it displayed on billboards. And, do you know what the, the phrase is? Disaster restoration. Have you seen that word around, that phrase? 
Disaster restoration. There are a lot of people whose full-time job is disaster restoration, and maybe it's because here in Oklahoma, we have a lot of disasters, right? Tornadoes and windstorms and hail and fire. Every time one of those things happen, people need disaster restoration, and thankfully, there are people who can put your house back together even better than it was before, right? So don't worry. If there's a disaster, there's disaster restoration. Except what if it isn't your house that needs being restored? What if that disaster impacts your heart? What if it's your soul that's been crushed? Then what? Then how do you pick up the pieces? Do you know what I'm talking about? When you read the Bible, you could say that sin is like a tornado. Sin, my sin and your sin and everybody else's sin, it doesn't leave anything untouched. It, it impacts everything in life and God hates it. We heard that in our lesson. God says, I hate all this. Talking about sin. What if the disaster is your own heart? What if what's been crushed is your own spirit? Then what do you do? It's exactly the, the position that God's people were in in the days of Zechariah's We've gone through this book this summer. You've heard this again and again. It had been a disaster among God's people. God's people had sinned against God and they refused to repent. And so God let their land be destroyed. God let their capital city of Jerusalem be burned to the ground. God let them be taken as exiles to another country and talk about a disaster. Seventy years later, God let some of his people go back home and yet they hadn't found Restoration. They looked around, it still looked like a tornado had gone off in their land and it certainly felt like a tornado had crashed through their hearts. How could they pick up the pieces? How could they have hope again? Do you know why God had his prophets like Zechariah preach? He had his prophets preach promises of restoration. In the Old Testament, this is a real thing. In God's prophets in the Old Testament, it shows up over and over again what are called restoration prophecies. You ever heard that phrase before? Restoration prophecies. That's what this whole chapter is. Did you hear how it said, this is what the Lord Almighty says over and over and over again. These are restoration prophecies from God. And it starts with this. God said, I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. You know what God was saying to his people, to Zion? He was saying, I love you. If you've had a disaster go off in your heart, isn't that exactly what you need to hear? God said to those people, I love you. That wasn't all. He said, I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. God didn't just say to his people, I love you. He said, I will be with you. If it seems like I've gone away, I'm going to come back. I love you and I will be with you forever. That's God's restoration. And when God loves you and God's with you, then there's always more blessings that are going to follow it. Continues, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with cane in hand because of their age. I love this part. 
God says, this is how great it's going to be. You're going to look around and you're going to see old people with canes in their hands. And God isn't being sarcastic. He's saying, this is a wonderful thing. And then you couple that with what comes next. He says, the streets of Jerusalem will be filled with boys and girls playing there. You see, you know when times are good? Times are good when you see this. When you look around and you see older people with kings watching boys and girls playing in the streets, that's a blessing. This is restoration. And there's so much more. God promises people that when they worked, they get paid for it. Maybe you'd say, of course, but apparently that wasn't happening. God said before this time there were no wages for people or hire for animals. People could not go about their business securely because of their enemies. It had gotten that bad that people weren't being paid. People couldn't go to work. God said that's not going to be the case anymore. When you work, you can get paid. On top of that, the, the seed will grow well. The vines will yield their fruit. The ground will produce its crops. The heavens will drop their dew. And it's going to be food. Crops are going to grow. Rain is going to fall. Maybe if we think, well, of course that happens. This wasn't what was happening. God said, this may seem marvelous to the remnant of people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me? God's promises sounded too good to be true to the ears of his people, but God said, they're not too good to be true for me. I can do it. Isn't this encouraging to hear? It's It's a long chapter. I could preach a really long sermon about everything that God says. Let me just highlight a few of the phrases. I can't talk about them all. God says, I will, I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. Then he says, let your hands be strong. God says, I will save my people and I will make them a blessing. Just do not be afraid. Let your hands be strong. He says, I have determined to do good to Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Can you imagine having God himself say all of these things to you? Can you imagine how that would restore your heart? How it would restore your soul? And God's restoration, when it hit the hearts of his people, it was going to spill out to other people. God said to them, speak the truth to each other. Render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other. Do not love to swear falsely. God's grace was going to fill up his people's hearts and it was going to spill over to other people too. God's restoration was going to impact all of society. And here's how good it was going to get. God said the fast of the 4th, 5th, 7th, and 10th months will become joyful and glad occasions, happy festivals in Judah. Now if you heard, we're here last Sunday. Last Sunday we heard how God's people came to God and said, do we have to keep fasting and mourning? And God didn't give, really give them a clear answer. What God told them was to focus not on fasting, not on what they ate, but on showing mercy and compassion. And here God brings it up again. He says, you know what? If, if you keep on fasting, this is what it's gonna, what's going to happen. It's all going to be happy. It's all going to be joyful. The saddest days to you today are going to be happy festivals. Makes me think of the verse in the book of Psalms where it says, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing will come in the morning. 
Do you know that verse, Psalm 30, verse 5? Weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing will come in the morning. When God's restoration comes, tears of sadness turn into tears of joy. Weeping turns into rejoicing. And here's the greatest part. God ends all of these promises by saying, Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will come, and the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the Lord, to seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will grab hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and will say, Let me go with you because I have heard that God is with you. God says, this is how good it's going to get. Ten people are going to grab you by the shirt and they're going to say, let me go to church with you because God is with you and I want that. Let me go with you because God is with you. Just think of this. God's saying this to people who felt defeated and depressed and alone. To them, God said, I love you. I am with you one day. It's going to be so good that everybody will want to have what you have. You know what you call that? That's restoration. Does it sound good? Do all these promises sound like something you'd want in your own life? So then, of course, there's just one big question. And it's, when? When is God talking about When is this big restoration going to happen? That's a really good question. When we hear God's prophecies in the Old Testament, it's kind of like driving toward the mountains. Have you ever gone on a road trip and driven to the mountains, maybe like in Colorado? If you do, you're driving and it seems like it takes forever because it's so flat and it's boring. And then all of a sudden you look up and you see them, the mountains. It's just that as you get closer you realize that what you see aren't really the mountains. What are they? They're just like the little foothills, right? And when you get to them, then you look up and you say, ah, there are the mountains. It's just as you keep driving further and you get into those mountains, you realize that they're not really the mountains either. And finally you get into those mountains and then you look up and then what do you see? You see the snow-covered peaks of the real mountains and you say, oh, there are the mountains. God's prophecies in the Old Testament are like driving to the mountains. As God's plans for his people are unveiled, little by little, we see God's promises fulfilled, not just one time. We see God's promises fulfilled again and again in, in bigger and bigger ways until you get to the, the real fulfillment at the end. Does that make sense? God's promises are like driving to the mountains, foothills, mountains, big mountains. So when is the restoration? Well, God's promises were fulfilled in his people already in 500 B.C. God gives physical blessings to his people here on earth. Through Zechariah's words, God strengthened the hands of his people. They were able to build the temple. That was their big challenge. They were able to worship God together again for a time. There was peace and stability in their society. And when they saw those things happen, who were they to give credit to? This is the work of God. God, in surprising and unexpected ways, he restores his people right here on earth. Do you think God does that for us today too? 
Have you gone to the gathering place lately? If you were to go to the gathering place today, do you know what you would see? You would see boys and girls playing. And as those boys and girls play, if you looked around, do you know what else you would see? You would see old people there with canes watching them. And when you see that, do you know what God wants you to think? What a beautiful sight. We have peace in our society to be able to go to the park. We have medicine in our society that prolongs people's lives. Whenever you see older people and younger people together in the same place, you can, you can say, what a blessing from God. Let's not take that for granted. For those of you who have jobs, when you work, do you get paid? What a blessing from God. It doesn't happen everywhere. When farmers in America plant seeds into the ground, what usually happens? They grow. And they produce a crop. A big crop. What a blessing from... Can you look around and see that all of these things that to God's people in 500 B.C. seemed impossible... All of these things that seem too marvelous to ever possibly happen. For us today, it's everyday life. Everyday life in America. God, in His grace, He restores His people right here on earth. What a blessing. Of course, life isn't perfect, though, is it? And so there's certainly more. Maybe we could say all those blessings in life, those are like the little foothills of the mountains. There's an even bigger fulfillment of God's restoration. In the Old Testament, God's chosen people were the nation of Israel. Do you know whom the New Testament says are God's chosen people? You, Christians, the Christian church, the the New Testament says you are a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 God doesn't want us to just look for his blessings in physical things here on earth. He wants us to see his blessings to us through his church. Through Jesus, you have peace with God. Through Jesus, all of your sins have been forgiven when he died on the cross. Through Jesus, God says to you, I love you. I am with you. Doesn't that restore your soul? When you were baptized, God made you into part of his family. You are the son or the daughter of God. Nobody can ever change that. Jesus died for you. God lives in you. Doesn't that restore your soul? Of course, it's not just for you, for me. It's for us together in a Christian church. You you have a family. Church isn't perfect. No church is. But when you come to church, you're, you're surrounded by people who love you and you care about them. It's a wonderful thing. God's restoration is carried to more and more people through the blessing that God pours out in his church. Maybe though there's one thing that doesn't seem like it fits. Remember the last promise, which was that 10 people would grab hold of someone by the shirt and say, let me go with you. And Maybe you say, you know what? There aren't a bunch of people begging to come to our church. So did you know that in 2022, just last year, we had 12 new adults take our whole faith builders class and become members of our church? 12 new adults. 
That's cool, isn't it? 12 is more than 10, right? That's a blessing. If you look around the world, our, our, our church body, the Wisconsin Synod, it's, it's actually shrinking in the United States. It's reality, just like all church bodies are. But a month ago, we had our international convention of all the churches that are in fellowship with us around the world. Do you know how many different countries were represented? 27. Isn't that cool? 27 different countries together. Just a couple weeks ago, in the country of Vietnam, there were 57 new Lutheran pastors who graduated from their seminary. 57 new Lutheran pastors in Vietnam. That's almost twice as many as graduated from our seminary in the United States. You say, all of this is just our one little church and our one little national church, but you think there's other Christian churches sharing God's word and God is restoring the world through the spread of his gospel. God is restoring people's hearts through the Christian church. It's a beautiful thing. But of course, even the Christian church isn't perfect. Right? When you look around the Christian church today, we see problems, we see conflicts, we see false teachings. and That's because this, the Christian church itself isn't the greatest fulfillment of God's restoration either. Where do you think all of God's promises of restoration are really going to be fulfilled? In heaven. Right, do you see how these prophecies of the Old Testament work? Kind of like driving toward the mountains. When you see God's blessings in life on earth, it's like the foothills. When you see God's blessings through the Christian church and the spread of the gospel, that's like getting into the bigger mountains. But one day, we're really going to see the big fulfillment. And that's when we get to heaven. God promises to turn our, our tears into joy. Remember what God says about heaven? He will wipe away every last tear from their eyes. Revelation 21 verse 4. God promises in the restoration he's going to be with his people. You know what the Bible says about heaven? God will make his dwelling among his people and he will live with them. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. God promises that people from all nations are going to come to, to his church to worship him. Do you know what the Bible says about heaven? John says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. If you really want restoration, it's waiting for us. Waiting for us in heaven. Do you know what all of this means for you today? What all of this means for you today is that you can have hope. Isn't that what you need? So what I so often need. I have days when I can feel so hopeless. In Psalm 23, David wrote these words. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. This is what God does for you and me. Day after day, he restores our soul. No matter what disaster has gone off in your heart, no matter what disaster has crushed your spirit, we have a God who promises you restoration. There is forgiveness in Jesus' cross. There is comfort in God's presence. There's encouragement in God's church. And that means that you have hope. You have hope. I bet if, if your eyes are open, when you look around, you can see God's blessings in your life right now. They're there. 
I bet when you look around with your eyes of faith, you can see how God's church and the gospel message restore your soul on a regular basis. God promises that one day you will see the full restoration when we get to be with Jesus in heaven. Right now, today, you can have hope because no matter what disaster there is, God provides the restoration. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, our state is known for its disasters, tornadoes and hail and wind and fire cause so much devastation. We're thankful for the men and women who provide disaster restoration and rebuild our homes. And yet, Lord, we need more than that, more than just for our homes. We need that for our hearts and our souls. Dear Lord, the sin in our lives, the sin from us or from other people, it, it so often defeats us and devastates us and tears us down. We need someone to restore our souls, to build us up again. That's what you do through your word. You provide beautiful chapters like this of restoration promises. They were meant for your people long ago and they're meant for us today. Dear Lord, open our eyes to see your blessings right now in our lives here on earth. They're all around us. Open our eyes to see your blessings through your church. That through your word and your sacraments, you give us peace with you and peace with the family of believers. Finally, dear Father, open our eyes to see what you prepared for us in heaven. That no matter what restoration is unfinished here on earth, it will be perfect when we get to be there with you. Dear Lord, no matter what's affecting our hearts today, restore our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.